in the world is right i think we probably found ourselves saying that a few times over the past week of canadian premier league action as there were upsets galore and only one of the league's top four teams picked up any points we'll do our best to sift through the chaos in this week's edition of the canpl.ca newsroom podcast no christian jack as he is enjoying some well-earned vacation this week but it only seems right that with a chaotic week in the cpl we have another chaos edition of the podcast with myself (laughs) mitchell tierney and charlie o'connor clark but Before we try our best to decipher what it all means, let's take a quick overview of the week that was. And the drama started early, as you heard Adam Jenkins say there uh, capably in in the nation's capital on Wednesday with Ivan Perez scoring late for Atletico Ottawa after Sam Salter had equalized on a PK in stoppage time to give them a 3-2 win over Halifax Wanderers. Fast forward to the weekend. Halifax come out on the right end of a late goal as Pierre Lamont's curler gives them a win over Pacific. Later that day, York United, they stun Forge FC at Tim Hortons Field 3-1 as New York signing Moba Bully scores against his former side while Krisnovic Ensa and unsurprisingly Ozaze de Rosario got in on the fun as well. Moving on to Sunday, Azrael Gonzalez, he stays in great form for FC Edmonton as they pick up a 1-1 draw with Valor. Uh, his goal was nullified, or nullified Sean Reyes' first half goal. Unfortunately, it also meant the end of FC Edmonton's contention for the playoffs as you know we're getting to the business end of the season when uh, that starts to happen. And finally, the weekend concluded with Atletico Ottawa regaining their place at the top of the CPL table with a decisive 3-0 victory over Cavalry at Spruce Meadows. Charlie, I mean, what a week for Atletico Ottawa, but for the rest of the league's heavyweights, they took some kind of surprising punches, didn't they? Yeah, this was a weird, weird weekend. You know, a lot of away teams doing well again it seems like we kind of go back and forth every weekend between home dominance and away dominance uh and the table is uh, getting a little weirder getting a little bit weirder maybe a little bit closer uh some missed opportunities for some teams but i I think at the end of the day a big big weekend two games for atletico ottawa yeah absolutely and you know, we also have some breaking Monday morning transfer news to share with you here in the Canadian Premier League as Pacific. They're in need of a striker, evidently, after Alejandro Diaz departure for Norway. Um, they signed former Cavalry FC striker Jordan Brown. Um, you know, we'll actually be bringing Jordan on the show in, in you know, shortly here. But your thoughts on the signing, Charlie, and, you know, one that I think Pacific probably needed to have another maybe straight up number nine up there. That's much exactly it, right? Obviously, when you lose Alejandro Diaz uh, midseason, he's he was the best striker in the league this year, unquestionably, uh, and that kind of left a massive hole at the front of Pacific's lineup. So to bring in a player who's proven at this level, who kind of is familiar with the the league and, and the teams in it, has scored goals here before and can do that as 
an out and out number nine or, or maybe in a front two with Gennaro Daniels. I think it's going to be a really, really good signing for Pacific. And uh, they'll just be hoping they can, you know, get him into training and get him on the pitch as soon as possible. Yeah. One thing that's kind of fun is we're, as we continue to build rivalries and um, storylines in this young league is, you know, players are coming back now, but they're coming back for rival teams. <laughs> I mean, we look at Jordan Brown going from Cavalry, coming back with Pacific. And obviously probably one of the big stories of the weekend is Moba Bully's return from uh yeah. you know coming from Forge FC playing for York United uh this weekend at Tim Hortons Field for the first time um and you know great performance from him great performance from York and again if we want to talk about shock results for this weekend this was right up there yeah this was a fun game this 905 derby match it was uh, a game that you could clearly see that York were up for you know they've had a bit of a, a tough a frustrating season and the playoffs are, are a little bit far from their grasp, not not necessarily gone, but a little bit out of their reach at the moment. But you could tell that they always get up for a game against Forge, uh, especially considering that they've lost to them at home. So York have always played pretty well at Tim Hortons Field, and this was no different. And you could kind of tell, especially in the second half of this game, that you know York just had a little bit more energy, a little bit more firepower. Uh, Mobabuli, obviously, with an instant impact, he's playing as kind of a number 10 behind Asazi Di Rosario, and you, ha- you had some kind of glimpses of his quality on the ball and the kind of partnership that he can create with Di Rosario, and that's obviously pretty much how York scored the third goal, but I think to me, the biggest thing that Babuli did was uh, kind of occupied the attention of Forge's players, especially in the middle of the pitch. You know, this, the center backs kind of collapsed on him, Ali Hajabarpour has to mark him pretty closely, and then York are able to find spaces out wide, right? You know, Ronan Kratt brings down the ball on the right side, and and the other, the other, the first goal I think comes from a wide area as well. All three actually come from wide areas, just because Forge had to kind of condense and get a little bit narrower to maybe try and stop Mobabuli getting on the ball, which you know they kind of failed to do anyway, to be honest. But uh, for the most part, uh, you can just tell the difference that having a player of that quality in your side makes, just especially against a team that knows him so well and knows what he can do. They had to give him so much attention in this game, and that kind of freed up a lot of space for. York's other attacking players, which hasn't been something that they've necessarily found easily this uh, this season. Yeah, and you mentioned the wide attackers. I mean, that's been sort of York's DNA this year. Most of their chances come from wide, be that the fullbacks before Abzi left, um, even with Ensa, um, just be that their their wide play in general. But now with Babuli in the middle, they have a legitimate central threat as well. And like you mentioned, that not only occupies, but with his ability on the ball, I mean, he can just beat players through the middle. So all of a sudden, you know, they have that wide threat, but they also have a threat through the middle as well. And I think that's been a big missing piece of, of this York attack this year. Yeah, it absolutely is, definitely, because you've seen kind of moments in York's attempt to build up play at other points in the season where it'll come into their kind of double pivot, Noah Verhoeven, Jordan Wilson, whoever else is in there. And a lot of the times, I think the directive is for them to go to play it wide to try and get it out to the wingers, the fullbacks, and then they try and bring it back into the middle for Di Rosario. Uh, but at times you see that they maybe attempt things through the middle. You d- they'd attempt passes kind of back over or, or across the pitch. And it just, those are passes that would get cut out very easily or, or things that would be a little bit too ambitious for uh, the player that's, that's maybe making a run through the middle and it just would turn into a turnover. And then all of a sudden York are defending a transition. And I think when you have a player like Babuli in the middle there, you still have to hit your pass correctly. Obviously, and I think York are still going to tend towards the wide areas, but it gives you more of an option and maybe maybe forces opposing midfielders to to maybe be in two minds, not knowing necessarily which way you're going to go. And then if you are able to get your pass up to Babuli in that pocket, he 
loves the, the little half spaces on either sides. And if he can find the ball there, he's often going to either beat a defender on the dribble or he's going to play a pass through to Di Rosario, who again seems to be starting very, very early, but he's starting to develop a, a bit of a, a partnership with Babuli. He seems to know kind of where he likes to play those passes. And if he can get on the end of them more than uh, he, he will certainly fancy himself to get into that golden boot conversation in the last month or so. And maybe another sign of York's general team health actually comes after a pair of injuries. Um, yeah. You know, earlier in the year when players went down, you know, they really didn't have replacements for them, but not one, but two of their fullback options go down during this game. Paris G who's actually been excellent so far since, since signing and, and was very good in this game against forge as well. Um, you know, he goes down injured and they're able to, to replace him with Mateo Hernandez, who also goes down. And then, you know, they go to Luis Lari Latanzio. Um, you know, your thoughts on just them having just more options in general. Yeah, the, the more options is definitely kind of something that York haven't had at a lot of points this season. I mean, there have been games where Martin Nash has looked back at his bench and hasn't had a single kind of senior professional player to turn to but this game he had a full bench I, I believe they actually left some players out of the side you know Ma- Matthew Baldissimo Crazy. still hasn't gotten onto the <laughs> under the bench there uh, so they, they've got a few players that uh, can come into these games and, and make a difference this was this first half was definitely a weird one for York obviously Paris G as you mentioned plays so well at the start he gets the assist on that first goal with an unbelievable cross by the way and he was mm-hmm. good last week against Edmonton as well uh but he goes down. Uh, York have to put Mateo Hernandez at left back. He's, you know, a, a central midfielder naturally, but he can. He's pretty much played almost every position for this club this year because he's had to. And then he gets hurt, and it's it's Laurie Latanzio, who's again more of an attacking player. He's been kind of a wing back in some of his appearances for York. Uh, but he comes in. Neither of these players is really a traditional defensive fullback, and you could see it at times. I think there was one little David Schwanier chip where he got over Mateo Hernandez and forced a really good save out of Alea Himaras, but for the most part, York have more options. Uh, they only got to make subs once in the second half because of these first two uh, that they had to make, but they're still able to bring players in to, to either add more attacking options or to maybe solidify things, and that's definitely a very positive sign for Martin Nash. Yeah, I want to get to Martin Nash's thoughts here shortly, but before I do that, um, you mentioned Himaras. You know, this was a week of young goalkeepers in the Canadian Premier League, and yeah. he had one of the perhaps best performances of of the lot. Um, your thoughts on him and and what he was able to do in you know one of the more difficult environments in in the Canadian Premier League. Yeah, he was great. And actually, now that you mention it, there were a lot of younger goalkeepers playing this weekend. You know, him and and Emil Gazdov and Marissa Ranwa and Yesley and Kieran Basket. Wow, that's a lot. But. Uh, <laughs> You're absolutely right. He played very well. He was very commanding in his box. I think he was able to claim crosses. Forge had a lot of the ball. They had a lot of chances. And he had to make some good saves. Uh, He was kind of in the right position when he needed to be. Uh, And again, he was very commanding. He's able to to talk to defenders that are far more experienced than him and and put him where he wants them to be. Yeah, and I teased it before and poor producer Benny has probably had his finger on the trigger for a good minute here. But let's hear from York United (laughs) coach Martin Nash. It's uh, that mentality, and we've been talking about our mentality and, and uh, you know, the, the work ethic it takes to stay in games. We knew we were going to come here and have to grind it out. There's going to be periods of the game where we don't have the ball and they can dictate tempo, but we got to keep our lines tight and not let them in pockets because when they get in pockets, they're so dangerous. So 
Uh, I thought we did an excellent job of uh, not, of limiting their chances, and uh, I thought we created some really good chances too. So um, yeah, I thought it was a, a very good performance f- from my standpoint, both sides of the ball. Yeah, very good performance and some incredible goals during this match. Uh, perhaps none more so than Krista Vigenza, who scored his first goal of the season and made sure it was an absolute beauty. Charlie, you <laughs> look like you have a thought on this. <laughs> This was very, very funny because uh, I was at York training the day before and we saw them kind of practicing their finishing. Chris Nivikensa has apparently been working on this left foot all year and he sometimes get a, he gets gets ragged on a little bit by some of his teammates for uh, his ability to hit a ball and we could see how hard he was working on it. So uh, he kind of laughed when when we asked him after the game if he knew he was able to do that with his left foot. There you go. The left foot of Chris Nivikensa, not just for standing on, as we found out in this match. <laughs> um, let's get his thoughts on, on the match. Now that the team is really together, everybody was just like, yeah, they score one goal and what? No problem with that. Everybody put the effort. We start having chance, keeping the ball, winning the ball high. And uh, I think we, we did well to score two goals after that to get the three points. Yeah, and for Forge, um, you know, obviously a difficult result. And uh, Bobby Smyrniotis after the match was, you know, really didn't mince words about, uh, about you know, what happened at Tim Hortons Field. Maybe one of the worst matches Forge has played in four years or three and a half years. It's the simplest way to put it. Oh, I think, you know, we're around the ball. Uh, our pressing wasn't good in different areas of the field. And that's something that characteristically is, is very good. When we're, when we're good at that, we're good in the attack. Um, and I think that's very important. And uh, when you're not uh, good in those situations, you give opportunity for the opponents. And we just, you know, we weren't adjusting to different, uh, you know, parts of the game. Sometimes it's all right, they've gotten the ball forward and we'll see what happens. And we see what happens. Sometimes you pick the ball up out of the net. Yeah, and a tough stretch coming up for Forge as well. They're on the road uh, for three straight, one of which against Atletico Ottawa, who evidently will be out for some pretty big revenge after the last time uh, Forge visited Ottawa. And then yeah. they have back-to-back games against Valor and Winnipeg, who, again, those are massive playoff implications in those matches. And Valor should be right up for both of those. So it's going to be tough for Forge from from here on out. Yeah, uh, I mean, it is. Uh, the other thing to remember about Forge is they have two more games to play than I think most of the league still. Yeah. Um, so they're they're definitely still not anywhere near concerned about anything but Bobby is right they have to be a lot better than they were against York they were their press was broken way too easily which is not something you usually say of Forge uh, and there are games coming up away from home where you know they, they will feel a little bit a little bit of self-imposed pressure to get back to you know their identity and what they really are yeah absolutely and you know I think to be honest, though, they kind of embrace this this busy schedule. They always talk about that. So um, I don't think we, <laughs> you know, anytime you doubt or count out Forge, you know, they'll, they'll spring together six straight wins or something like that. So I don't think we there's, there's any reason to be too concerned about them yet. Um, let, let's move on to another big match that's actually coming up tomorrow um, for, for the Canadian Premier League. And that is, of course, Pacific traveling down to Costa Rica to take on Herediano in the second leg of their CONCACAF League round of 16 um, series. And, you know, obviously it, they go down at a disadvantage. The the late away goal scored by Herediano in the first leg after a pretty solid performance from Pacific um, leaves them with a lot of work to do in a very difficult environment. Um, Charlie, your thoughts on this match and 
what the keys will be to Pacific, um, you know, kind of turning this tie? Uh, it will be very, very difficult for them. Uh, I mean, we saw uh, last week in the first leg how much better Herediano is than Waterhouse. Uh, but they're, obviously, it's a, a two-legged tie. They're on the road. Anything can happen. Uh, I think Pacific will probably want to score quite early in this game if they can. I mean, obviously, they, they'll they have to score at least one if they, they want a chance. Uh, the good news is, I guess, away goals don't really factor into it against them. You know, there's no way that uh, a 1-0 loss at home can can put you out on away goals uh, mathematically. So they're in, in decent shape there. But, uh, you know, I, I think they'll definitely want to be looking to hit those counterattacks a little bit more than they did. They're probably not going to expect to have much of the ball in this game. Um, you know, Pacific are often a team that like to play on the front foot, but I'm not necessarily sure that that's what they're going to be able to do in this game. Obviously, over the weekend, they were able to rest a few guys. Uh, some players, they were forced to rest more than chose to, but, <laughs> including those who were sent off in the 33rd or whatever minute. Um, but yeah, I think they'll still be up for it. They have a lot of confidence in this team, uh, and they'll they'll kind of relish this opportunity to go down to you know one of the you know, most difficult countries in CONCACAF to play in and play against a very good team. So I wouldn't count them out, but it will. I think that everybody knows that it will be a very, very difficult uh, game for Pacific to try and get a footing in. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see if perhaps they face a more open Erdiano side because one of the maybe surprises mm -hmm. of, of the, the home leg was that they came in and played a back five that James Merriman, even after the match, was, you know, said he almost felt it was a sign of respect because you know, they were, they're so used to playing a 4-4-2 and a very attacking 4-4-2 in, in, you know, league play in Costa Rica where they're such a dominant side. And, you know, they come into Starlight Stadium and they play a far more defensive game. And yes, you know, Erdiano had most of the ball in that match and, and probably the majority of the chances, although Pacific had some good ones, but they still were far more defensive than expected. So, you know, at home, they might want to open up a tiny bit and then, you know, maybe there's more of a chance into the game for Pacific. Yeah, yeah, it is really interesting. And you kind of see this sometimes when a team is playing at home, they'll kind of be a little bit more open. They'll they'll try and get on the ball more. And, and I think Pacific in that first leg wanted to try and get some of those transitional opportunities. They wanted to get in behind the fullbacks as they like to do in the CPL especially. And that, that option just wasn't really there for them in that game. So maybe if we see Herediano playing a little bit differently, uh, maybe coming out, a little bit further forward, getting a little bit higher, maybe playing a bit of a higher line. I think Pacific will think that they have those opportunities there, especially if they have players on the pitch like Gennaro, Gennaro Daniels or Johnny Dos Santos, who you know have kind of the the pace to get behind those players and and the technical quality to bring it down and, and maybe test the goalkeeper a little bit more. So I think that tactically it'll be a very very different looking game and and you know in some respects a much more exciting one. I think so Pacific will definitely have now that they've got a little bit more feel of this opponent they'll uh they'll feel like they've got at least a chance that they can score a goal especially in the first half and uh it looks like our, our guest is actually here so let's speaking of Pacific bring on their latest signing um Jordan Brown joining us Jordan you know thank you so much for for taking the time can you hear Hello? us all right there Jordan yeah, I can hear you. Awesome. How's, how's it going? Good. Thank you for joining the show. No worries. No worries. I'm on the travel. I'm on the move right now. So. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And on the move to, to Pacific FC, um, you know, how did that, uh, how did that move come about and your thoughts on being back in the, the Canadian Premier League? Yeah, I'm delighted, you know, um, just to join our team, you know, reigning champions, um, good team chemistry, good team ethos, you know, all the, all the things I'm looking for in a great team. Um, it came about just, you know, they reached out to Electric City, the club I was at before in League One. And, you know, they asked um, what I would be interested in to, to do and I was, I was down for it, you know. I was 100% down to come back to the CPL, um, you know, rejection. Seems like we're getting bits and pieces of Jordan. I don't know if we want to get him to to rejoin here, um, potentially. Benny, uh, if you don't mind, yeah, take him out and maybe we'll put him back in there. Um, obviously, on the on the road. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, that, that's a go. more secure connection. Uh, Charlie, you want to follow up? The yeah, yeah. There we go. Hopefully, hopefully we've uh, got it sorted out. But Jordan, you've you know you've been to a lot of places in your career, a lot of different countries. You know, England, Germany, I think Iceland recently. Uh, what is it about Canada that kind of you know fat piqued your interest when you were in Calgary and made you want to come back here after going back over overseas yeah um you know initially from the start of the year moving back to um, Canada was through um an old colleague of mine Rob Jenkins who I worked closely with uh, uh in Calgary so you know that had a really big part of it but Canada as a whole you know it's a growing growing sport in the country it's only going to get better um really talented boys here you know um not just boys as well girls um which i got to see up close in you know in here um so you know the sport's really growing and i think you know me being over here has has helped me evolve as a person you know really good for my family life as well so yeah for me it's a no-brainer and like I said, to, to join a club like Pacific is, is really good for myself in, my, um, in this moment in time in my career. Yeah, and you mentioned your time in Peterborough with, with Electric City and seeing kind of the, the larger Canadian soccer pyramid. Um, what was that like and in, in learning the level of, of League One Ontario? Yeah, you know, I didn't really know what to expect before coming in. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say that. You know, I was anticipating just walking all over the league and stuff like that because I never go into a situation thinking that. But I really didn't know. I wasn't really too sure of the level. So I was so surprised, um, you know, to see how many talented boys who just haven't had the luck to get picked up yet. Maybe, you know, age, they're on the wrong side of things. Um, but, yeah, you know, there's so many, there's so many boys that, you know, CPL clubs need to be looking at. In, in that league because yeah it's, it's, it's fine margins you know I always say that you know if you take the CPL for example you compare you know the best players the best teams in the CPL compared to you know 
um, you know, some teams who play in the Canadian Voyagers Cup, there's, there's not too much difference, and it's, it's proved that, you know, over time. So I would also, you know, say the same thing about League One. You know, the best players, the best teams in League One, compared to, you know, some of the, the bottom teams in the CPL, not too much difference, you know. You might get that standout player on, on you know, the CPL team, or you might get the standout player, respectively, on the MLS team compared to the CPL team. But as a whole, it's, it's not too much difference. So just coming back to Pacific now, um, you know, obviously you've played against a lot of these players in the CPL. You played with Nathan Mavilla quite a lot in Calgary. Um, that's got to be that's got to be nice for you. But uh, just how familiar are you with kind of the group and, and the coaching staff? What kind of conversations have you had with them about sort of what what they expect from you and what your role is going to be with this team? Yeah, you know, um, it, it kind of dates back a couple of years now. Um, you know, after my time in Calgary, um, you know, I had brief conversations um, with them. Um, but, you know, at, at that moment in time, I just thought it was, it was best to continue my, my, you know, my playing career um, because of the COVID situation in Germany. So, you know, I was even really close to coming to Pacific back then. Um, just didn't really work out in the end, um, you know, afterwards through, you know, international sports and stuff like that. Um, after my time in Germany, but um, yeah, I mean, Pacific, you know, I've met a few of the boys already. Um, they're great guys, you know, um, really competitive, really good players. Um, my role here, I'll just say, you know, I'm not going to say that I'm going to try and replace what Vera Diaz did, but I'm going to do what I do and, you know, fit into how the team is already playing. I'm not going to try and change things because the team is already, you know, doing really well on the pitch. So my job here is just really to, you know, provide goals, um, be the centerpiece in the team, maybe, you know, the, the missing puzzle um, that, you know, that went out in, in Vero Diaz. And obviously, you know, you're joining a team who's a pretty direct rival, especially after the way things went in the playoff last year to, to Cavalry. Um, your thoughts on that and maybe what the, the first return to Spruce Meadows will, will feel like? Yeah, it's going to be a weird one. I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, um, I really had a good relationship there with the fans um, and the supporters. Um, yeah, and obviously I still have a great relationship with the club. Um, speak to everyone there. I have, you know, so many life you know, lifelong friends now um, in the city. So, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be cool returning back to Calgary. Um, that, that's obviously going to be a fixture that, you know, I circle down on my calendar. But, you know, it's, it's going to be business as usual. And, you know, I don't expect anything different from them either. You know, um, I expect the fans even to give it to me a bit, <laughs> maybe. Um, you know, I'm, I'm prepared for that side of things as well. So, yeah, no, it's going to be an interesting game. And, you know, probably a game on the calendar that, you know, it's going to end up being an important one so late in the regular season. Yeah, that should be a very fun one. And, and we could still see these two teams meet in the playoffs as well. Uh, Jordan, just, I guess, one last one for you here. You're obviously not down in Costa Rica with the rest of the group, although it looks pretty tropical out there on the West Coast anyway. Um, and I, I assume you'll be you'll be keeping tabs on the game tonight. What kind of a, a chance do you feel that, that uh, your new club has against the Rediano tonight? Yeah, you know, I watched the first picture. Um, it was a really good game, a really high contested game. Um, it always looks different when you're watching it compared to when you're actually playing in it. Um, you know, um, I think 
you know, what the boys have to do is away from home. You know, we know it's going to be hostile over there. We know that, you know, the fans, um, you know, everyone is going to be getting, you know, on on their side, the Costa Rican side, right? So I think a, a goal early would really help the boys. Um, if not, you know, just stay in the game. That's probably the main thing. Um, haven't heard the game plan or anything like that. Haven't really had a chance to speak to um, to James, but from from the outside looking in, I would just say, you know, the boys got to stay in the game. One goal, you know, changes everything. And, you know, um, if they, because it's away goals, right? Count, yeah. Yeah, so, sure is, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, one goal, you know, opens up the game. And, yeah, I, I believe that, you know, the boys are going to get it done. And, you know, we're going to move over to the next round. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you so much for, for joining us today, Jordan. And, you know, it's a pleasure to have you back in our league. Yes, appreciate you guys. Thank you. Oh, thanks, Jordan. Jordan Brown, obviously, um, Pacific's latest signing. You know, we were able to, I, uh, to get most of that. Did I say he, that the Herediano game is tonight? Because it's not. You might. <laughs> yeah, night. you might have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, it's chaos, fine. Joe. He went through I, a tunnel, I think, fine. at one point Time's... during that. Uh, <laughs> during Time's that not real. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we were still able to to get some great stuff from Jordan and. Um, let's continue on in that that Pacific vein because obviously before uh, heading down to Costa Rica, they had a a very tough fixture um, in in Halifax this you know this past weekend um, against a you know a Halifax side who look much improved lately and you know things uh, things obviously got off to not a great start for for Pacific um, with Manny Aparicio getting his second red card of the season on a tough collision with. Corey bent there in the midfield and you know that kind of changed the trajectory of the game where after that it was really Halifax you know taking it to Pacific in a big way um obviously a Pacific side who was pretty heavily rotated with an eye towards this Erdiano match and um but uh, you know a team who held out pretty well and I think James Merriman after the match saying he was he was quite proud of the way his team defended for for large stretches considering the fact that you know it was a hot game in Halifax where this Halifax side were were all over them for most of the match and you know it took them until the 82nd minute before they were uh, finally able to find a breakthrough as you see here if you're watching on the screen uh, Zach Fernandez setting up Pierre Lamoth at the top of the box a, a brilliant curled effort to beat Emil Gazdoff they're finally able to do that so um, a, you know a big win for for Halifax I think in terms of obviously you know they're another team that probably uh, won't be able to get back into the playoff picture but in terms of just you know the the general I don't know, enjoyment of the squad and that sort of thing. And, and just being able to beat a Pacific side, this was a, this was a good result for them. Yeah, it was. And just by the way, that's a big open ice hit there, Manny. Although it sounds like, <laughs> a, it's, it sounds like Pacific might be appealing the, the three game mm. automatic suspension for that. So we will await the results of that before we, we see whether or not Manny will be out for some time. Um, but this is, I think Halifax is, is an important part of the puzzle here because they played quite well. you you know, Zach Fernandez, again, really, really kind of thriving in that that role where he's a little bit freer to get up the pitch on the right side. Jake Ruby playing right behind him in that back three for the second game in a row. And, you know, Halifax really have looked a lot more more structured in this kind mm -hmm. of setup, right? They're able to to have players get a little bit further up. I think I think Stephen Hart said they, they're able to be more patient in their buildup, which, you know, is kind of sounds contradictory to what he says a lot of the time about wanting to be faster with the ball. But 
you know, it's not really in some senses because they don't have to rush passes or play way too ambitious ones to to wingers when there's nobody else to pass to, right? If you've got those fullbacks able to get up the pitch or, or wingbacks, I guess they would be in this in this case. Uh, and you've got a player like Sam Salter maybe stretching the opposing back line back and they've got more options and, and they just look like they've got more ideas and a little bit more of a of a plan for what they want to do when they do get the ball. And I think we, we really saw that in this game, you know, again, the finishing continues to be a little bit, a little bit below where they would want it to be. Stephen Hart, again, frustrated by that, I think, and has been all season with this team. And I think if, if they'd been able to finish more of their chances this year, they might be in a very different place in the standings. But at the end of the day, I think this is a good win for Halifax and a step in the right direction for them as, you know, most of their, last few games this month have been they continue to progress and improve i think in this structure uh, and again they're they're just trying to build something and and lay a bit of a foundation possibly for next season again there's there's not a lot of runway left for them this year but a lot of positive signs i think for this team yeah one of the things he mentioned about that kind of patience and what this system allows is just the starting position of the the wide players can get a little bit better where you know before that first pass out to the wide player, you know, Fernandez is pretty deep in his defensive half, but now they can recycle it a little bit. And then by that point, Fernandez is able to to run up and get in behind. And we've seen a few times this season where he really gets in behind and he kind of has that headed cross. I think we saw that maybe against Edmonton in their home opener um, where he does a header to, to Sam Salter. And that's a play they kind of look to. And that wasn't available, you know, a few weeks ago where they're playing this kind of more flat back four and he's, called on to defend a little bit more but now that you have three there he can push up a little bit more so that's one of the benefits they have there and you know just a great all-round atmosphere at Halifax again their second straight home win their second straight um, clean sheet and a a pretty cool guest uh, in attendance for that match as well wasn't there Charlie yeah this is a really surprising one (laughs) just like I think (laughs) at at halftime we randomly found out that Nathan McKinnon was bringing the Stanley Cup to Wanderers Grounds. Uh, apparently, it was a bit of an impromptu stop on their his parade tour through Halifax. So I don't know how quickly they managed to get this uh, this jersey printed for him. But it was really cool to see you know a, a local guy, uh, obviously massive local celebrity who's had a pretty good, uh, pretty good few months for himself. He is, uh, is stopping to, you know, you know, give back a bit to that that local community, those fan bases uh, in Halifax. And it's, it's just really cool to See that? Uh, see some silverware at Wanderers Grounds, <laughs> but uh, yeah, oh, definitely a there. surprising moment. I I'm <laughs> sorry. I am sorry, but yeah, it was it was really cool just to kind of randomly at halftime have the game on and say, "Wait a minute, is that the Stanley Cup?" And then uh, it all kind of transpired from there. So we did try to get Nathan McKinnon on the podcast today. I don't think that's going to work out. But uh, again, thanks to Nate for uh, for stopping by. I'm I'm still holding out hope, you know. Maybe in one of these breaks, we can we can see if we can. We get got like 25 minutes left. We yeah, yeah, we're good. We're good. We'll get this done. But uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's hear from someone we will be able to hear from today, and that is uh, Pierre Lamont, who uh, talks about the new Halifax system. Yeah, it makes us uh, really hard to beat defensively. Uh, we're not scared to to not not have the ball and uh, defend first and. Uh, yeah, I think uh, with the ball we 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 start to create more chance in the last few games. So uh, yeah, it's positive. Yeah, and speaking of positive and positive performances, um, Emil Gazdov. You know, we said that this was the week of the young goalkeeper. 
this was a very difficult game for a young goalkeeper because, again, they're down to 10 men, and he had to stay switched on basically for the entire second half because Halifax were coming yeah. in, and, and you know, we mentioned their finishing, and sure, they probably could have done better in a number of the chances. <laughs> uh, Hart was even joking after the match that Pierre Lamont had, like, two chances that were much better than the one he actually finished on. So, um, you know, th- there was certainly uh, something to be made of that. But at the same time, it wasn't just the saves that Gazdov made. It was just his general command of his box. You know, the the amount of Halifax players coming forward to still be able to organize his back line. And it was a very impressive performance from the young Pacific keeper. And his, let's, you know, not get it mixed up. His second ever professional start. Yeah, yeah, he's played i think twice now i guess yeah twice now for berserker he's been really good in both of those games obviously playing behind callum irving who's one of the best goalkeepers in the cpl is always going to be difficult to get on the pitch and to get those minutes but at his age to come in so confidently and and play so well and make those saves is very impressive from the young man and you can see why pacific have valued him for quite a while they signed him i guess a couple years ago to uh, to a contract they had him out on loan in in Germany for a little bit he's come back and for him to be able to get in the side and play like that has been really impressive and I've been playing tricks on uh poor producer Benny all day as to when I'm gonna throw to clips but now let's hear from James Merriman <laughs> on his young goalkeeper yeah I think you know a bit of adversity as well dealing with that it's it's a big crowd behind him and a lot of energy and he was calm. He, he was collected. He, he showed his maturity for a young player and uh, he handled the game very, very well. There's nothing he could do on the goal. So I think he had an excellent performance. Yeah, an excellent performance is right. And, you know, before the entire city of Ottawa um, gets you know, overly frustrated with us and the fact that we haven't dedicated much of this show to them yet. Let's uh, let's start talking about Atletico Ottawa and bring on Alex Gonkay-Huzik, who will <laughs> uh, help us through a massive, massive performance for Atletico Ottawa on the road at Spruce Meadows. Um, Alex putting in a bit of an overtime shift on this one as a long weather delay at halftime, creating an interesting dynamic in this match. But Alex, your thoughts on a statement performance from Ottawa? Yeah, I mean, it caps off a, a pretty perfect week for for Ottawa there. They had the late drama in midweek, and then they head out onto the road to, to the best home team in the league. Uh, Ottawa shows why they're the best road team in the league so far this year, at least in terms of points accumulated. Uh, they, you know, they had to absorb a lot of pressure, just 24% possession. Uh, they they kind of turned to the famed Atletico DNA uh, over the course of that game. But, hey, it's not what, you know, how much you have the ball. It's what the, you do with it. And they were excellent. They defended well, got a goal right before halftime, which considering the rain delay probably helped them. Uh, they played in midweek, gave them that extra hour just to rest their legs and get going for the second half. And then the second half they came out. Uh, full throttle, got the two goals laid on to to seal the deal. Overall, a very clinical, perfect road performance for them and one that they needed. Now they climb back up to the top of the table. They get the confidence of a big road win. Not much more you can want. I mean, it's going to be frustrating from Cavalry's perspective, uh, a game that they'll look statistically and feel like they should have won, should have done better in. But at the end of the day, Ottawa were the better team on the day. And I think that was reflected very fairly in the scoreline. Yeah, Atletico Ottawa have been really, really impressive on the road. They do have the best away record in the CPL this year. They've beaten uh, they've beaten six out of the seven possible opponents uh, away from home this year. The only team they haven't beaten on the road is Pacific uh, so far. But uh, you know, Alex, you kind of 
went into it a little bit in your match analysis after this game, that, that Atletico DNA, you mentioned it just there, but for anybody who maybe maybe isn't as familiar, do you want to maybe maybe touch on a little bit what that meant specifically in this game and what it was Atletico Ottawa were doing that that were able to to kind of hold out Calvary and hold on to this result? For sure. And I mean, it was kind of unique because the thing is, if you watch this Ottawa team, that's not really what they're about. They're a bit of a unique, uh, at least compared to their Atletico Madrid counterparts in the sense that they like to hold the ball. They like possession. They have all these intricate patterns. They play with the back three They do a lot of almost anti-Atletico things, if you want to put it that way. But in this game, Cavalry at home, they tried to push them down. They tried to beat them down. And and what it meant was we saw Ottawa sit a lot deeper than we're used to. I think they kind of recognize that by coming out with a straight up a back five. Usually it's a back four that kind of looks like a back five in possession. But this one was a full out back five with three center backs, two proper wing backs, et cetera. And from there, they just sat deep, absorbed a lot of pressure. They were clearing a lot of the aerial crosses into the box. I mean, Drew Becky, you know, Miguel Acosta, McDonald Neba, they were massive at the back. I mean, I, you know, they were just winning everything in the air. Nate Ningham behind them, and then Sean Melvin at the end. And from there, they just kind of, when they got the ball in transition, instead of taking their time and, and trying to look for the, the sort of patterns and buildups they're used to, they just they attacked. And that that was really the case, especially when Baloo Tabla came on. It was a bit of a surprise he didn't start, but he got the rest. Uh, but, you know, they would try to attack directly, and you kind of see that in their three goals. I mean, it was just get it to the byline, cut it back and score, or, or just go directly, play a ball over the top and get it in the net. And it was that sort of directness that frustrated Cavalry because Cavalry had the ball so much, but as soon as they lost it, they had to defend. They had numbers forward, and Ottawa really capitalized on them there. So it was overall a very sturdy, very, you know, convincing result from Ottawa. Yeah, and let's hear from Ottawa midfielder own Antonio oh. Antonio, uh, about his performance. That's kind of the Atletico DNA, is sitting in, <clears throat> being stuck in, uh, shifting right and left. And it was a lot of running. I mean, for me in the first half especially, uh, the forwards, you expect to have more possession, but we didn't have possession at all. So um, it's one of those games where you got to do the work for the team and the rewards came out in the end. So to score three goals in with that amount of possession is quite is crazy so we're, we're pretty happy about that i did practice that before the show and then absolutely butchered it in the <laughs> in the the real time but um agr another player for for ottawa who recently has impressed is kevin aylman who you know he still claims that that uh, that cross against Halifax was was intentional it was an intentional goal so we'll we'll give it to him for now maybe but um, regardless, he's scored in two straight games now. And, you know, for this Ottawa side to have another player like that who who is in form and, and playing well, uh, how big is that, especially late on in the season? Oh, it's huge because, uh, you know, one thing about Ottawa this year, we can talk about how their defensive prowess and, you know, their road record. One area maybe where they haven't been as good is just overall goals. I mean, they score. They don't need to score a lot because when you're only allowing one or, or zero goals a game on most nights, you're, you're going to get points. You're going to win games. But there's just the reality that for the most part, they've really struggled to score in some games, especially from depth players. I mean, beyond their, their big three of, I think it is Ali Bassett, Baloo Tabla, and, and Brian Wright. Heading into this game, they those three had scored 60% of their goals, which I 
that calculated amongst the top four was the highest percentage in the CPL. Every other team in the top four had been relying more on depth. So for a guy like Kevin Alleman to go and score two goals in two games, it's it's perfect for Ottawa. It's something that Carlos Gonzalez was ecstatic with because heading into the game, I asked him about it and he was something that he admitted. He was like, yes, we need more from our depth players uh, offensively because they give him the work defensively. A guy like Alleman, uh, you know, all year he's been putting in the shift defensively, like all of his teammates. I mean, they're a team that defends as a unit, but they also need the the goals to to follow. And I think it's no coincidence that the, the two games where they finally score three goals in back-to-back games, it's it's on a week where Alleman steps up and scores two goals. And, and we're seeing other depth con- contributors score than other than just the, the kind of big three that have been carrying Ottawa offensively. Yeah, the depth is is very important for this team. And I think it's going to continue to be important, especially... Ottawa need to continue to have these contributions to their under-21 players, right? Owen Antoniuk obviously has to... Uh, he gets to start in this game as he's probably going to have to a few times uh, as one of one of just a few of these players that they, they will need contributions from. But uh, AGR, you've seen you know, plenty of these Ottawa games. Uh, this is, I think, Owen's first start, but they've got Zachary Bahus and, and Zach Wah. What have you made of these players and their ability to maybe start making a little bit more of an impact as they kind of have to for this team now? Yeah, I think it's certainly... They can play. I think it'll be good, little, you know, for them to get this run out as they push for the the two thousand minute threshold. I mean, and Antoniak, you know, haven't seen as much of him. He was kind of in the white cap system, but from these forty five minutes, he looks like someone who is brave on the ball. I mean, one of his first touches was him. Uh, he 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 did like a Ronaldo chop and then a roulette or something like that. I'm like, okay, at least yeah. he's, if if anything, he's confident. So was, he has that that sort of ability in him i think the white caps that's why they sent him on loan they want him to kind of be able to express himself and play otherwise bahus is someone every time i watch him i come away impressed the way he he progresses the ball through midfield i think is something that ottawa should be leaning on anyways you 21 minutes or not i think the way he combines with bassett and takes some of that creative load away is huge and then zachary raw as well just hasn't really looked out of place wherever i've seen him at the back you know for a young guy he does not look like someone who is out of play, out of sync with the the, the defenders around him. Uh, you know, you can really fill in at that that wing back role. So I think for Ottawa, not only will it help them to get to that threshold, but those are three potential difference makers to to have in the playoff. You can't have too much depth, and I mean, having a, you know an extra forward in a team that maybe has struggled for goals, having an extra progressor, and then of course having defensive depth. Those are three areas that that will certainly help Ottawa. So I expect Gonzalez to to lean on them. Yeah, and just uh, quickly, I guess, before we hear from Carlos Gonzalez, we should mention Ottawa's at 1,272 under 21 minutes. I think they've got seven games left, so they have to average about 104 per game, uh, and they've got the players that can do it. So I, I think that they are they are confident that they can get to that threshold, So uh, and they're confident that these players can come in and, and do an important for them down the stretch as they obviously remain in a pretty tight playoff race. Yeah, let's uh, now hear from Carlos Gonzalez. We are really happy. Uh, we are really proud of the game that we've done, a very solid game. We knew that it was going to be a very tough uh, week with three games, with a big trips in between. So I think that the team did a, a great job. And uh, we knew that every, every minute that the, that the game passed through, we were going to be near to our opportunities. And, and it was how it was. So I'm very happy for, for the result, for the clean sheet and, and for the improvement of, of the team. And a big weekend for you, 21 minutes in general, as Pacific, another one of those teams who, you know, needed to pick up a few more, picked up a lot in their game against Halifax uh, with their yeah. rotated sides. So um, clubs are very much keying in on that as a, you know, a key 
important part of their second half of the season and getting to that threshold. Um, AGR, you've been an important part of this show. Thank you so much for, for joining us this week. Thanks to you guys. Pleasure always. Awesome. Let's uh, bring out AGR and bring in Benedict Rhodes as we'll keep the Atletico Ottawa talk going a little bit longer because you know this match it's been almost a week since it but i think we still need to give it a little bit of love because it was just so chaotic wasn't it benedict yeah this, this game was was wild especially the last you know 10 10 15 minutes or so and, and stoppage time in particular and the, the game the game uh being this game excuse me uh halifax had a lot of momentum came out firing and they they, they looked really good they actually put the ball in the back of the net but it got uh disallowed and then alleman scores that that cross shot, whatever you want to call it. Um, and uh, that kind of uh, we deflated Halifax momentum a little bit. And then uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you see right here, uh, how do I make it two? And, and it looks like, you know, they're, they're cruising on their way to three points, but then Halifax make a late comeback and, and score twice late. And then uh, chaos ensues, I guess, in, in uh, stoppage time, as you'll see momentarily on the screen. Yeah, and I think certainly, I mean, this was, uh, we can talk about the, the cavalry matches as, as a, big performance for Atletico Ottawa and and that being huge to their their title defense but these are the kind of games that you are not title defense obviously they're they're you know look or trying to get to the top of the table chase. um chase there you go that is the word I'm looking for <laughs> thank you Charlie um their title chase um but these are the games you have to win obviously and you have to get all three points in is is against those kind of um chasing teams if, if you want to put it that way uh how big was was that to to get you know turn one point into three yeah, that, that was really important. I think, you know, any, any playoff team in the CPL is going to have to beat the teams below them consistently. And, and you know, looking at the top four at the moment, you know, Pacific, Ottawa, Forge, and, and Calvary, they're the teams that typically do that. They take care of their business most of the time. And, and the only time they really drop a, a ton of points is usually against each other. So um, for Ottawa to, you know, get get those extra two points, that late goal was pretty important for them. And, you know, as, as we see as a result, they, they're now at the top of the table after, you know, two pretty solid wins. And Benny, this oh sorry, go ahead. No, I I was gonna say that that this was kind of an interesting one for Ottawa because it seemed like that first half was pretty comfortable for them. They had a lot of the ball, but then the second half, when especially after after Ottawa goes up two nil, uh, they kind of let Halifax back into it a lot. You know, Halifax I think ended up with like sixty percent possession in that second half, and they had probably the better of the chances for the most part, especially the ones that they didn't score. But uh, I guess it's, it's a credit to this Ottawa team, right? That they, you know, even when they they maybe. Maybe are are getting uh, getting played into a little bit. They're maybe on the back foot a bit, but they did find that extra gear just at the very end after that Salter penalty. Uh, which, by the way, uh, the 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 winning goal was was onside. <laughs> That's the right call, we should say, um, because he's, he is played on at the end there. But uh, I think it it is impressive to me from Ottawa to see them uh, kind of dig deep and and as you mentioned, Mitchell turn one point into three very very important ones as they uh, you know put a little bit of space between themselves and maybe fourth place. Yeah. And uh, Benny, the other game you were evidently on this week was, was Valor against FC Edmonton. And uh, Charlie has offered to do a live performance of Sarah McLaughlin's. I will remember you as uh, FC Edmonton what? become the first. <laughs> oh, sorry. Charlie didn't read the show notes, I guess. Uh, FC Edmonton become the first team to be eliminated from the playoffs. But Nonetheless, it was actually a very solid performance from them as they get a 1-1 draw with Valet. Yeah, another solid defensive performance. I think uh, maybe just missing uh, a bit of maybe quality and attack to uh, turn some of their chances into goals, but overall a very strong performance from them and, and from Valor as well. 
uh, same sort of deal. They were they were solid enough defensively, but uh, the, as watching the screen right now, they they gave up a, a goal straight after the break and and uh, weren't able to find a second one and, and ended up dropping two points. I think it's fair to say for for both of these two teams, should, for, uh, I thought they should have won this game and that both of them would have uh, liked the Jordan Brown on their team in this game. Ooh, that's right. Yeah, and just Charlie, seeing... not a very solid performance from you on the the singing there. <laughs> no, no, pro- not this time. But uh, yeah, Ben, you mentioned this in your analysis. We saw it on the Edmonton goal there. Uh, T-Boy Faya coming back into this game after getting substituted in the first half against York last weekend. Uh, it's, I, I guess, a mature performance from a young player, right? To be able to, to come in after, you know, after what was probably a frustrating day for him, but to, to kind of dust himself off and, and put in a really, really excellent performance. And unfortunately he is not making his way into the team of the week this week. Although uh, he was certainly close. There just a lot of right backs that were really good this week. So <laughs> unfortunately for T-Boy, he's uh, he's an honorable mention, but Ben, just the way that Edmonton kind of attack in transition at the moment, right. With, with Wojcicki and Azriel Gonzalez as well. How were you, how impressed have you been with just their ability to kind of, maybe get, get some more of those transitional chances than maybe they did in, in earlier stages of the season. Yeah, I think as, as the season has gone on and they've kind of maybe become more of a, a close-knit group, I guess, you know, you've seen maybe a maturity uh, both on, on the ball and off the ball and, and sort of uh, defensively as well. And and I think, you know, with the maturity and with the familiarity comes, you know, a, a better tactical uh, knowledge, I guess, of, of how to play teams in the CPL. And uh, Edmonton and Valor have drawn 1-1 one, one three times now and, and every single time, uh, you know, Edmonton have, have maybe looked like they deserved all three points, and uh, and this game was no different. And you mentioned Fryaya and Warshevsky uh, on that on that right side were, were fantastic in this game. Combined well for that uh, that goal after the break, and and uh, yeah, for Fryaya after uh, being taken out in 30 minutes, anything against York uh, for ta- for performance reasons as well it wasn't just an injury. Uh, he needed to bounce back in a big way, and it's exactly what he did. Well, let's hear from FC Edmonton coach Alan Koch and his thoughts on this match. To be quite honest, uh, I thought we came here with a game plan. Uh, I thought the players executed it. I think we uh, we made a mistake uh, right at the end of the first half. Unfortunately, that hurt us. Uh, and I think the players showed a lot of resilience, positive mentality in the second half to be patient at times. And then we created a lot of opportunities. Um, so proud of my group. Uh, this is a group that's a pleasure to work with. Uh, and I'm proud of them because we challenged them at halftime. We, we said, yes, you've worked hard in the first half. You played well, but you're losing. Let's go get something out of this game today. Uh, and all of the players reacted in a positive way. And they did get something out of this game. And so did Valor, which is it's kind of funny. They actually gained uh, some ground in the playoff race, but obviously not nearly as much as they would have hoped. Um, you know, th- that almost in some ways, Benny makes it more disappointing in the fact that this was a really big opportunity for them with the three of the top four teams dropping, you know, gaining no points uh they only gain one and you know that that gap that was actually pretty big is you know not that much smaller now yeah it was definitely a missed opportunity i think for them and and let's not forget you know halifax only three points behind them now as well so uh it was definitely a missed opportunity to you know inch a little bit closer to the playoffs and uh you know it's just sort of a, a moment i guess of maybe a mental lapse after the break where they kind of uh you know lost their lost their marking a little bit and, and allowed a not not a soft goal, but one that, that was definitely preventable, and uh, you know it, it did end up costing them, you know, two pretty huge points. Yeah, let's hear from Rocco Romeo, uh, Valor defender, after this match. It was a frustrating one for all of us, really. You know, a team like Edmonton, we felt like you know we could have taken six points from them. 
Well, we've only taken two so far, so it was definitely a frustrating game for, for the team. But, you know, credit to all of us. Uh, we never gave up. We kept on fighting. Our desire and our energy was always there, and we always just tried to get that second goal for us. Charlie, I know we um, said that FC Edmonton's season is over in terms of the, the playoff race, and, you know, I, I think we knew that for, for a long time. But we've talked a lot about FC opportunity this season. How about FC spoiler down the, the stretch here? Because yeah. if you look at their remaining schedule, they're playing all of the top four teams and they play Valor again on the final day of the season. They've already, you know, done some damage to Valor's playoff hopes. This could be a really interesting one. And something I talked to Alan Koch about, you know, for his young players, these are big games they're playing in. They're not necessarily big games for Edmonton in terms of what it could mean for them, but they're big games for their opposition and they'll have to be up to a solid level for the rest of the season. Absolutely, absolutely. And Edmonton will definitely feel that they want to be competitive in all of these games. They want to play a role in, I guess, the last couple months of the season, which they certainly will. Uh, they've, they've played games. They've played very well against pretty much every team in the league at least once. You know, and haven't necessarily gotten a result in all those games, but they've been close, I think, to getting a result against every team in the league so far. Uh, they definitely want to continue to have these just these little moments these little kind of rewards for the work they do when they get a point on the road it's it's a really big deal for them when they when they get get a win i think they'll be, they'll be looking to pick up a, a couple more wins during the the last few weeks of the season which they certainly can and i think if they do then they may they may end up spoiling some parties uh, from some of the the other teams in the league because um, again they've they've got to play a lot of very difficult teams but edmonton will definitely feel like they can play with kind of no far less pressure in those games and in many cases that kind of goes in your favor right yeah it sure does and let's uh let's take a look at the canadian premier league standings after uh the week that was and as we said atletico ottawa rising to the top and then not too much movement uh, otherwise from the top clubs was there benny no not really uh you know, it's kind of just the uh, Ottawa kind of leapfrogging up into first place, and and I think it's, they deserve to be in first place after the, the week they had, and uh, yeah, starting to you said you said earlier starting to maybe make a bit of a gap between them and, and fourth place, and definitely between them and, and fifth place at the moment. So definitely a very strong week from them. Yeah, and let's uh, let's look from a strong week from Atletico Ottawa to a definitely a big week in the Canadian Premier League playoff races. There are some matches coming up, and you'll want to get in your predictor shouts because these will be some tough matches too predict certainly yeah, and as we look at the the scheduling board now we've got a couple of weekend double headers coming up obviously as we mentioned we don't want to forget about uh, tomorrow's match against Eridiano but uh, in terms of CPL action um, Saturday, Cavalry, they're hosting York United, a team that's given them all kinds of issues this season, um, including beating them at home the, the last time they played. So that's an interesting one to start. Uh, Charlie, let's let's get your thoughts on, on this game. Uh, I, I, think that, I think that I might fancy York in the game, uh, despite Cavalry it. kind of being in, in a tough spot. Uh, they'll, they'll come out punching because they've, they've lost a couple here, but... Uh, York have played Cavalry very hard this season. Martin Nash obviously knows that team, that stadium, their identity very, very well. Uh, and York are very hungry. They certainly do not feel like their season is finished yet. So they'll 
think that if they can get a result, another result on the road against another top four team, then they can they can certainly make a bit of a run here. So I think that I might actually fancy a, a, a maybe like a two one for York in this game, especially if Mobabuli is is starting as a ten again. There you go, and then a, a mouth-watering top of the table clash later that evening at six thirty p.m. Eastern as Atletico Ottawa they host Forge FC. Obviously looking for revenge after getting battered 4-0 the last time they hosted Forge back in late July. That's also their soccer for everyone match in partnership with You Can Play. So look forward to a lot of you know great festivities out in the nation's capital um, this coming weekend. But you know, Benny, this is this is a big game. And obviously we we've talked a lot about how Ottawa, you know, have a the Atletico DNA, all the good things they've done this week, this will be another huge test for them, obviously. And if they want to keep that top spot, um, they'll have to be at their best. Yeah, I expect a sort of statement game from Ottawa. You know, Forge beat them at their home last time pretty convincingly. And, you know, Ottawa are going to want to prove, you know, they're legit and, and they deserve to be number one. So if they do that also, they'll, they'll make even more of a gap between them and Forge. So uh, I like Ottawa in this game. I think maybe maybe 1-0 or 2-1. Or and wrapping up the weekend, Sunday, a huge game for Valor as they host Pacific at IG Field before the weekend concludes with the come-on match of the week. That is FC Edmonton's first home match since July 9th, I believe, as they host Halifax at Clark Stadium. And of course, as always, all of those matches are available on One Soccer. But that brings us to the conclusion of our show this week. A massive thank you to Jordan Brown for making the time to talk to us today. As always, Benny, for all the work you do on and off the camera, uh, making this show possible, AGR, uh, for his incredible insight. And um, to all of you for the support and the comments and everything you continue to do for, for this show. Um, another big night, obviously, for, for Pacific uh, and the league tomorrow down in Costa Rica. Make sure to check out all of that. And for the playoff race uh, this weekend as we reach the critical stretch, Charlie and I will be back to break it all down for you next week on the show. But until then, head over to campl.ca for all the latest news and analysis, and we will talk to you next Monday.